the left, Martinez to the right, they score! Carlson! Back and forth with Martinez! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Wallace Chapman, live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports, Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... That was a long one, buddy. Yeah, I, I took a deep breath for that one. Why are you ex- are you excited? Well, kind of, sort of. I mean, it's it's a, it's a it's a good day for me. I mean, I don't know if it's a good day for VGK fans, but a good day for me. Okay, I I don't know what that's about, but I think we'll get to it in catching up. No, with Chapman. no, there is no catching up with Chapman today because I'm only here for the first hour. Oh, geez. See, you you tell me these things, and then I don't pay attention to you, and then it it serves to be a, a great open to the show. Darren Millard will be along here in just a little while. If Darren's listening to this, um, I'm sure he he's on his way, and he'll be interested to see what's going on, what's so great in Chris Chapman's world. Maybe we'll do an abbreviated catching up with Chapman before you get out of here uh, before the second hour of the program. But a lot of information, a lot that we really need to dissect for the Golden Knights. We're going to get into last night's game against the St. Louis Blues and you know what really was the undoing for the Golden Knights. I, I know that offensively, just one goal, the output not where you want it to be, but uh, to me, it was more about defense than it was about offense for the Golden Knights, and it's, it's part of the process that Pete DeBoer's talked about over the last couple of days with Pacioretty and Stone out. The process has to improve day to day. Maybe the re- maybe the results aren't there initially, but you keep working on those processes. You think you keep working on uh, how you have to play, and all of a sudden the results will come. We're also going to get with uh, with Sam and Ash the legal minute that's coming up later on in the first hour. Second hour, we're going to give our game rating. And I'm sure everyone's really excited and interesting to interested to see what we have to say about last night's game, what the official rating is going to be on the Vegas Golden Knight Insider rating system. That's coming up in hour number two, along with one timers. And I'm not sure now. I now I've got to come up with something to do in the last segment, Chapman. Like you, you have to <laughs> remind me of these things so that I can keep track of when you are and will when you're not in the studio. So well, uh, well, we'll come up with something. We'll figure out that last segment with in the absence of Chris Chapman. But I do want to start off here. We could do catching up with uh, Millard because he just showed up. Catching up with Millard, I but that in. doesn't do doesn't do anything for me in the. I mean, in the last segment, you're not going to be here, Chapman. Well, you well, don't get to jump all over Millard for whatever it is he was doing. Well, Pete like, Pete was in a good mood today, but he didn't jump all over over Darren. He didn't he didn't dunk on bummer. him again. Yeah. I don't think he's really happen. dunked on me. No, nah, he dunked he's on you. He's had some fun with me, but I don't think he's really dunked on me. The audience has heard it, Pete dunking on you. He he's definitely dunked Darren, on you. Darren. He hasn't Darren, even called me on my time, name. Every time Well, that's even worse. Pete interacts with you. He dunks on you. Literally every yeah. time. 
the fact that he doesn't call okay. you by name, that's that's even worse because he's like, yeah, this guy's not even worth my time. Uh, well, I, so, Pete, Pete should have been in a good mood today. I I thought there were some, if you follow what he said going into mm-hmm. last night over the last few days in the unofficial bye week, talking about the process and the result, and he believes more in the process, and sometimes the result happens quickly, sometimes it takes a while. Yesterday was an evolution toward the positive in the uh, in the process. Didn't get the result, but mm-hmm. I it was definitely a better performance than we saw against LA against what we believe to be a much more difficult opponent. The the game from the Golden Knights last night was leaps and bounds better than it was against L.A. That is 100% accurate. I, I agree with you there. Uh, in terms of the process for the Golden Knights, I, I'm not going to uh, get hard. I'm not going to be too hard on them here because you're, you're, you're dealing with a lot of different variables coming into the lineup, guys coming off of injury. Uh, young guys that you are, or new guys in the organization that you're expecting a lot of that that have to step into a bigger role now without Stone or Pacioretty. Um, you know, I I think that there's a lot of room for improvement, but that's the focus, right? The the focus for the Golden Knights right now isn't on playing perfect hockey. It's in improving the process so that the results can match what you're putting out on the ice. What does disappoint the coach and the manager? and the players, is you played a really good hockey game for 50 minutes, and then you didn't get anything out of it. And the goaltender, sure, played uh, out of his mind and and covered up for uh, uh, breakdowns, whether it's breakaways, whether it's odd man rushes, uh, whether it's uh, uh, two-on-ones. That was Robin Leonard's best game of the three, uh, and that's a really strong point. But uh, you you gave yourself a chance to get something out of the game, and you didn't. That will be what uh, what sticks in the craw. You look at the game for the Golden Knights and understanding the situation of where you're at in the third period. You're tied one one mm-hmm. in in a fairly competitive game. Understanding how important points are going to be over this stretch, you got to find a way to dig out one, at least one, right? And it's going to be one where I think you look at the performance from Robin Leonard and you say you let two points or at least a point get away from you in this one. And and that's an unfortunate situation for the Golden Knights. But again, process wise, a better effort last night than what you saw out, out of the game in L.A. And you hope that that trend continues tomorrow night against the Edmonton Oilers. What did you like about yesterday? Um, what did I like about yesterday? I liked Robin Leonard. I'll tell you that right now, right off the bat. I, I love the way that Robin Leonard controlled the game early on for the Golden Knights. It was all Leonard early, and I just thought he was super dialed in. Uh, rebounds, he was gobbling them up. He was, or he was putting them in really good areas. Um, and I, I like the fact that the Golden Knights, once they kind of got their foot, their footing in the game. Dialed it, in, dialed it in offensively. I, I did not expect Vegas to put 43 shots on goal, given what we know their offense was going to look like last night without Pacioretty and Stone. I thought that number was going to come down, but it's it's encouraging to me that the Golden Knights were buzzing at times in the offensive zone because that's the biggest question for this team. 
how much offense can they garner, how much offense can they chip in and, and make up for with Stone and Pacioretty out of the lineup, I was encouraged by the chances that the Golden Knights were getting in that game against St. Louis. So we should play a little game, like the good and the bad, or the good and oh. the disappointing. We got we got to come up with something on the other end because it's not always bad, and it's not always disappointing. But I don't want to say the good and the not so good. So we need the, the, the creative <laughs> minds around uh, our marketing team on the VGK Insider Show has to come up yeah. with something better than the good and the bad. Now the good to me was the misfit line was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they generated chances. They were the best line in, in the rink from start to finish, and that counts the St. Louis side of it as well. Uh, Really encouraging to see great play from uh, William Carlson, not just scoring the goal, but generating chances. I thought Marcheseau was uh, much more uh, responsible with the puck, and Riley Smith was involved and and deserved much better than they got. So that, that right there, with all the responsibility on the misfit line for the next six to eight weeks, Mm -hmm. was a great start to the Pacioretty's stone absence. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I I mean, listen, I went with William Carlson as my night to shine, and it was the first time this year that I felt really, really good about my night to shine after the first period. I thought Carlson had a fin- fantastic game. I wonder how the game changes if Jonathan Marcheseau's shot doesn't hit the post but goes in mm-hmm. and the Golden Knights get a two-goal lead. I do wonder how that game or if that game looks a little bit different, um, you know, but, but again, like I, I think the misfit line has been doing stuff like this ever since they've been put together for the golden Knights. You need a good shift. You need a spark. You can put them out there and you know what they're going to get. I, I thought they were really good. Um, and I, I know that, you know, with Petrangelo, we're, we're going to be hyper-focused on the, on the giveaway, right? We're going to be hyper-focused on the turnover in the neutral zone, but uh, without Petrangelo putting the pace and without him trying to generate offense, I don't think the Golden Knights get as many good quality chances as they had on Jordan Binnington. You got to take the good with the bad or, or the, 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 the frustrating. And for me, like, I don't want Alex Petrangelo to change anything. I still want him to go out there and press for offense because that's what he's going to be needed to do here over the next couple of weeks. So I'm I want to talk about the play that caused the, winning goal for the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. You know how a quarterback sometimes will throw an interception and the analyst will go, that's not on the quarterback. The receiver broke the wrong way or ran the wrong route or uh, missed, his, missed his spot. Like, mm-hmm. That's what I think happened last night. For, for Alex Petrangelo just to throw a puck blindly to the middle, I, I just don't see that happening from him. And there had to be support. Now, Chandler Stevenson was in the area. Peyton Krebs was in the area. I, I do believe that he read something that was supposed to happen that just didn't happen. Uh, the other part is a quick up by the St. Louis Blues shouldn't lead to a three on all. So there's got to be there's got to be some cover up going on there. Especially this isn't the first two minutes of the game where Alex Petrangelo is taking a chance. He was feeling it all night. So you knew yeah. that he would be pushing the pace. Uh, and, and just as an aside, by the way, uh, seeing that it's like the 70s or the 80s, seeing that jersey just ripple when he skates up and down the ice is really cool. Not everybody can do that where the sweater just ripples as, as he as he 
flies uh, up and down the rink. So I, I, I'm not putting that giveaway necessarily. On, I know he made the play, but I, I'm a firm believer in knowing how they structure their neutral zone, that there was supposed to be somebody in that area and not to just uh, give it blatantly away to the St. Louis Blues. And then the 3 on 0 is, like, that's bad to worse. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a mistake, right? Like, it, it, whether or not it's a shared mistake or an individual mistake, it, it's a mistake in the neutral zone by the Golden Knights that turns into a 3 on 0. And, like, you got to give Tory Krug a lot of credit there, right? Because he, he gets that puck yeah. quickly up, and you've got uh, three Blues on the right side of the puck, and every Golden Knight trying to break back. You had Chandler Stevenson, who I, I think was looking to change, get on his horse to try to break something up. Nick Waugh was behind the play trying to break something up, but... You know, for for the Blues, it's it's Braden Shen, Jordan Cairo, and Vladimir Tarasenko on a three on zero. Uh, the the hockey IQ and the offensive uh, ability of those three guys, that's a nightmare scenario for the Golden Knights, and it was a nightmare scenario for Robin Leonard. So we had the good in the misfits. The pause to me was just a lack of push from the other three lines, and and that's maybe going to be part of the process that Pete DeBoer talks about, but. Mm-hmm. I, I do need to see uh, a little bit more. Today, the lines were a little different at practice. Matthias Yamark was back at City National Arena off uh, COVID protocol. So that's yep. great. Uh, he was wearing a, a yellow sweater uh, for the fourth line. Uh, and Peyton Krebs skated uh, with Chandler Stevenson and Nick Waugh. Pete kind of cautioned us to not read too much into that combination because Yanmark, depending on how he feels, because he hasn't done anything apparently. While he was in COVID mm. protocol, he was shut right down. Uh, he could play up on that uh, that line with Stevenson and Wah. If that goes the the, the course of action, uh, I, I like it. But I need to see whether it's the Patrick line, the Stevenson line. I, I need to see a little bit more. Uh, and there's it's incumbent on them. Hey, tomorrow we'll talk about it at length uh, at T-Mobile Arena tomorrow when they face mm. the the Edmonton Oilers. But if you're going to have a chance against the Oilers right now, it's going to be the Carlson line that's going to play head-to-head with McDavid. And mm-hmm. that is going to take away your your best offensive line, who's trying to control the best player in the world right now, and two other guys that are feeling it in Dreisaitl and Pugliarvi. Where's the, where's the goal scoring come from? If, if Carlson's group is doing its job and being uber-responsible, it's going to be hard for them to turn around counterattacks. It may happen, and hopefully they do. If they've got the puck, then they've got free reign to, to, to think offensively. But their first priority tomorrow night is going to be stopping McDavid. The rest of the group has to supply some goals. I mean, you look at the players, and it's incumbent on Nolan Patrick. It's incumbent on Evgeny Dodanov. And, and those two guys, for me, like are were brought in to, to play a depth role for the Golden Knights, but to also drive offense from your third line. And right now, the the ask is greater of those two players. But, you know, I, I thought last night there were moments for, uh, on the on the Patrick line, there were the best moments or the best chances that you saw were from Peyton Krebs and Keegan Colsar. Um, you need more out of Nolan Patrick for sure in this stretch because everyone needs to step up and, and you need Nolan to take a step here and be a driver on his line. And I think the same thing could be said for Evgeny Dodanov. There were moments, there were there were pockets within the game where Dodanov was 
noticeable, but you know there were there were also other times where he had a lane to shoot and didn't. He had opportunities and they just didn't didn't necessarily get to where you want them to go. So you know, I look at the players that that the Golden Knights brought in in the offseason, Nolan Patrick, Evgeny Dodanov. I thought Brett Howden had some some decent moments in the game last night. I thought it was a decent, uh, pretty good debut for him. Uh, but it, it's on those players to pick up the slack here and start be, being drivers on their lines and creating offense for the Golden Knights. A little unfair, though, because if Pacioretty and Stone are with Stevenson and they're healthy, then everybody mm-hmm. slots down and there's not as much pressure uh, on I- Dodanov, and there's not as much pressure on Patrick, and Nick Waugh can get uh, into the rhythm of things. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And unfortunately, the third game of the season has witnessed the application of some pressure and the need uh, for results. And the the process is is one thing. The results are, are certainly another, and that's an example last night where if you get that bonus goal or that contribution out of uh, the Patrick line, uh, out of uh, a Nick Waugh scenario with Chandler Stevenson, then then you're walking out with two points. And that didn't happen. That it It's close. It was like lights ahead of the Los Angeles game. And I, I don't want to get uh, too off, off board here because it was a way better effort. Um, little, little loose still, uh, defensively yeah. in the neutral zone, but the effort was much, much better, and that that's encouraging. And Robin Leonard's play, Ryan, the the game against Seattle, he out goaltended Grubauer, and he wasn't at fault for the the game uh, that they lost against Los Angeles Kings, and last night he was arguably the best player in the rink. So that I think that. Is, is another real positive to take from last night. You know the other thing? They've scored first in all three games. So that's yep. that's also good. That's giving yourself a chance. So there's there's little bits and pieces of it that, that I really liked. The, the disappointing part is you don't win, you don't get a point, you suffer another injury. In, mm-hmm. in Alec Martinez, we don't know. He was seeing another doctor today. Uh, we don't know the results of that. So there's there's a couple of things that you're you're having to try to chew up uh, to get down that you, that don't necessarily taste good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the injury obviously is is kind of the big thing for the Golden Knights because up until this point, everything's been uh, impacted by the forwards, right? You've you've had a lot of injuries up front, but the Golden Knights were pretty fortunate on the back end. As far as Alec Martinez goes, if if he's going to miss some time, um, you're going to have to dig deep and you're going to have to rely on Dylan Coughlin to step in and, and Zach Whitecloud to step up and y- you're going to need more out of that group. And, you know, I, I think, again, adversity is not a bad thing, especially for a team that is considered a contender. You you go through these stretches, you find out what your team is made of in these moments. And, you know, going back to, to just something you said about about Patrick and Dodanov, unfair? Yeah, sure. But at the same time, that's what that's what the game, that's what the team, that's what the organization is asking of them right now. They've got to find a way to get that out of those players. And if they do, later on, when everyone's healthy, when you get back or so, somewhat closer to healthy, you're a better team for it. So um, unfair? Yeah, probably. 
is it going to be unfair to ask Zach Whitecloud to step up? Is it going to be unfair to ask Dylan Coughlin to, to step in and, and provide valuable minutes for the Golden Knights? Um, maybe, maybe, but at the same time, it, it's what you need to do. It's what this team is going to need to do over the next six weeks to, to make sure they give themselves the best chance to get to where they want to go. That's the playoffs, that's the postseason, and that's on a quest for the Stanley Cup. And unfair only because it's game three. Yeah, 100%. If it's game 10, then they, they would admit totally uh, as well. It's time to, to start doing it. So uh, a little bit uh, out of sorts in the sense of asking new players who haven't played together a lot uh, to step in and have to help carry a team. That's asking a lot. But given the alternatives right now and the reality of Pacioretty and Stone, you need it. And and that's just where they are at this moment. Uh, Chris Chapman. Yeah, it's funny you guys mentioned the young guys having to step in because and credit goes to Dan Duva because I heard him mention this on the pregame last night. Year one, Paul Maurice, of course, we know who he is, coach of the Winnipeg Jets. After they played Vegas, Mark andre Fleury was obviously out in that, that first game where Winnipeg came in and played Vegas. He His quote was, this team has figured things out at an accelerated rate. The young guys, yep. this is their opportunity. Guys like Jake LeCision, guys like, like uh, obviously not White Cloud, but Dylan Coughlin, new players, Brett Howden, Evgeny Dodonov. This is an opportunity for them to figure things out at an accelerated rate, and if they do, they're going to help this team tremendously. Right. Howden's first game as a Golden Knight yeah, last tough, night. Tough to, tough to say, oh, he didn't play that, good. That's he, a big he played ask. Well. Yeah. That's, it, that's especially a, given the circumstances, yeah, he absolutely played well. Really big ask. Uh Jake Lecician hadn't played in the National Hockey League before last week. That's a big ask. But the rest, right. Nolan Patrick is a number two overall pick, and if Jenny Dadnov is a National Hockey League veteran, the the clock runs a little quicker on, on on those guys. And I like what I've seen from Nolan Patrick. I like what I've seen from Dadanov. However, this goes into a secondary conversation. The last two games. They haven't generated enough power plays as a team to mm-hmm. give that man advantage, like the skill of Dodonov and Patrick to go to work on it, uh, an opportunity to really flex their skills. That's an area where I think that they can do a, a better job. If they're you, you have forty plus shots, and I, I don't know whether it was the referees letting them play last night. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually liked the way the referees called the game. But with 40-plus shots, you should be able to, to generate, and St. Louis is the same thing, there should be a few more power plays in, in that mix. And the one, like, honestly, Martinez, when he was called for it, uh, was a bit of a dive by Sod. He, he sold it. He sold it well. Yeah. But uh, you're, you're telling me that, uh, that you can't work on uh, out uh, a few more calls? Might be on the officials. Might it might be being in the last two games. Might be a bit more on on Vegas to push the pace and and put themselves in positions to draw. It's a skill to draw penalties and create power plays. What's interesting about that, and and I think you're right. Like, if the Golden Knights can could get more than just two power plays, really one power play in, in about 20 seconds on their first one, um, that would be helpful. Not so much in in that you. You know, you're you're looking at the skill for those players, 
it's a brand new unit, right? Like you, you've got guys on on the ice that are are brand new, working together on the power play, and and I think they need reps. Like they just simply need reps right. in a game to gel, especially that second unit. And depending on what it's going to look like with with Alec Martinez out, like you need game time reps for your power play because it needs to figure it out quickly and it needs to be a difference maker in these games. Uh, there was a call up today because Alec Martinez uh, was not at practice. And it was uh, Daniil Miramanov. Mm-hmm. Surprised? Now I've got I've got a, a theory on why he's up, but were you surprised? Was I surprised? No, <laughs> I wasn't surprised. I mean, I think that if you would have asked anybody going into the preseason, uh, who's the eighth defenseman in line for the Golden Knights? I don't think Daniil Miramanov is the one that you would select. No. But based on what he did in the preseason, based on what he's done with the the Henderson Silver Knights, I think if you're a team that is looking for more offense and you're looking for a guy that comes up, fills a role, uh, to me, Miramanov makes sense. I don't, like, I don't expect him to play tomorrow, but... That all being said, I, I do think that if if you need an option and you're trying to infuse some offense, you're you're seeing a guy that has a nose for the net and an ability to get there. Yeah, a little bit of offensive instincts there on a team that's going to struggle to score some goals isn't a bad thing to have around. The other reason why he's up is Henderson's decimated with injuries on the back end right now. Uh, their, their blue line on the opening weekend full of guys like on PTOs, like Hickey, Siebenhaller, uh, Hammond, McCaution, uh, guys that uh, that are themselves trying to uh, earn contracts. Uh, Kozak, uh, Korzak's uh, hurt. Uh, Pugliat's on the AHL uh, they, they, They've got some guys coming back uh, from, from injury right now. So the the options, just the the pure options for hockey ops, and the, the Vegas Golden Knights are limited because of a similar situation they're going through up front with the forwards of the Golden Knights has hit the blue line of the Silver Knights. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a weird one yeah. within this organization right now with injuries. Like it's just it's it's not an excuse, but it is it is a fact that this team, both both the Vegas Golden Knights and the Henderson Silver Knights, are dealing with a rash of injuries that not many teams see throughout a regular season. Daniil Miramanov, my favorite player for the Henderson Silver Knights, has uh, now been called up. We're going to play you some of the sound in Hour 2 of Daniil Miramanov and how he found out that he was called up, what he was doing, uh, because the Henderson Silver Knights went up to Abbotsford uh, for a road trip uh, to uh, the lower mainland of B.C. uh, this weekend to face the Canucks American Hockey League affiliate, and he gets an opportunity to stick around town and uh, either maybe watch first 10. He's the the extra guy right now uh, with uh, Alec Martinez not in the ice today, or maybe gets into one of these games against the Edmonton Oilers. Imagine that. Uh, skating against the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> or the New York Islanders on Sunday. Uh, we'll we'll get into that. I also want to tee up just a little bit about what they're going to face in, in the Edmonton Oilers, and it's yeah. it's extreme right now. Edmonton plays Arizona tonight. Yeah, there's here's the positive. Here's what I'm best case scenario. What I'm hoping for is Edmonton arrives in Vegas tonight after that game tired. Not because they played a National Hockey League game, but from raising their arms too much. 
there's a good <laughs> chance that they're tired just from uh, over celebrations uh, in in Arizona at Glendale Arena because that that's got lopsided score written all over it. I mean, Connor Connor McDavid's probably going to score like I don't know seven points tonight. We should look at the line. What 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 do you think the over under is? On Edmonton and Arizona, and I mean, you wouldn't, you would never, I guess, never say never, uh, throw throw anything on the uh, on the Arizona Coyotes. But the way the way Edmonton's played their first three games, and uh, their number one goaltender's out uh, on IR, so Miko Koskinen goes in for for Edmonton. He'll get his first start of the season. Uh, Arizona is winless. <laughs> Edmonton's three and zero, and Connor McDavid's been all world in in those three uh, games. I so I, I have I have the the totals uh, for um, Arizona Edmonton, and I also find this fascinating. I've got it for Vancouver Chicago. You tell me what this means, all right? Ooh, okay. So the total for Edmonton Arizona is six. Go over or under. Oh. It, I, I was thinking going over if it was 12. <laughs> okay. But here's what I find that's fascinating. That's the total is six? Yes. That's total six. Now, I'm assuming that the books are thinking it's, you know, will the Oilers score seven? Yeah, I was going to say, like, th- th- this is all on, on Edmonton. <laughs> sure. Here's what I find fascinating. The total in uh, over for Vancouver and Chicago is six and a half. That's not a bad uh, call either. By the yeah. by, the line makers, because Mark Andre Van- Fleury is not expected to play. I got a uh, chart sent to me today about <laughs> saves above expected. <laughs> I always yep. screw up that stat. What is what is sure. the actual stat? Or goals? Uh, goals above- I mean, goals saved above average. Okay, whatever yep. it is. But I got I got the chart sent to me. I'll, I'll share it with you uh, during the commercial okay. break, and then we'll explain it yeah. to everybody. But it's Phenomenal. it's got all the goaltenders that have played this year and where they rank. Vancouver and Chicago at six and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, you gotta really sell me on why you think it's going to be an under. <laughs> and I don't think oh, that there's I, I don't I don't bet on hockey. I'm not allowed to bet on hockey. I won't go there. Yeah. But just looking at at the way Vancouver's played, they can't wait to get home. Uh, they they don't have uh, Hughes going. They they're they're they don't have Hammond. Like they're they're in a world of trouble right now in the back end. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Chicago, who's just off to a disaster start. Yeah, you give me seven and a half. I'm going over in that game. I don't care. Which game provides more more goals? Edmonton, Arizona, or Vancouver, Chicago? I say Vancouver, Chicago provides more goals, but. I, I I do think the Oilers are going to put up at least five tonight. Tooney, I'll take uh, I'll take Arizona Edmonton. Okay, there you go. Tooney, I found a Tooney today I mean, in my house, so I, I can actually it'll pay just up. Be, it'll it'll either be you owe me two more Toonies or you don't owe me any. I thought more I paid. Toonies, I so. gave you a Tooney. I forced you to take the Toonie. Or was that not Chapman? A no, he never no. gave me one. No, hmm. I was going to say I, I I'd like I I would like a Toonie. I want a legit yeah. toonie though. Like, yeah. that's would, the it, thing. would you guys spend it, or no. would you would you like save it? Like, I saved some my my yen from no, the trip no. to Tokyo. I would. I have a collection of money from all over the world. So you wouldn't spend it? Absolutely not. Nope. That is the stupidest thing to do. 
Well, wow. it's not like it's my money. I mean, you gave it to me, so it's not like I had it before but, you would have given it to it's me. it's dumb because well, it's money. Yeah, I, I get that. Why would you? Why would you collect money? Because if you go to a foreign country and you save a dollar bill from I don't know, well their uh, their version of a dollar and say so. Sweden how much? Or, how many? How much money in American dollars do you think you have? Probably not a just lot. Saved probably as not souvenirs. Lot. Well, some of it's not even. They don't even. It's not even in circulation anymore. I have francs from Belgium and I have lira from a, from Italy. They don't even use that anymore. I don't even think they would take it if I tried to try to so, spend it. So again, proves my point. No, because because it's, it's not like, worth anything. No, it's like it's like if I go to a foreign country and I buy a souvenir, I'm spending Darren, more money on the souvenir than if I save a dollar from Italy. Darren, like money in and of itself isn't really worth like worth anything. It's it's just representative of of some abstract thought. So it's a cheap souvenir. Do you ever yeah. look at this money? Yeah, I do. I think it's cool. It's very colorful. Like you actually like bring it out and go, oh look at my toonie that I've got. You should see the you should see the, the the money I have from Hong Kong. It's it's cool. Is it a shadow box or something? No, it it, it has a window and you can actually see through the window on the on the, the the money from Hong Kong. But it's not on display anywhere. Well, where would I display it? I don't, I don't know. It's your I, it's your collection, your souvenirs. I, I have it in a box where I it's like a it's like a souvenir for me. It's, so every it's, third is, Friday, you'll just bring it out and no, look I, at no, it and no. go, "This is this is what I've done here. What a complete waste of my financial it's, resources." It's it's cheaper than buying a T-shirt that says just Hong Kong. Wear the T-shirt. Uh, we're going to take a break. I'll tell you uh, about the uh, the chart that I got about goaltenders and that fancy stat that uh, Ryan likes to bring up. It's it's fascinating. And uh, we will also uh, tell you our ratings for last night's game in hour number two. Do we have tickets to give away? No, no tickets to give away today? Not till we're Monday. We're taking a break from tickets. Yeah. Monday. All right. Uh, and uh, we also have the one-timer segment with some news notes from around the National Hockey League, some interesting stuff uh, that I dug up earlier this afternoon. It's the BGK Insider Show, where we're just sitting on our wallets. That's all we're doing. On Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. This chart that I just sent over, graph, fired over to uh, Ryan Wallace. And it's it's an interesting because the, the actual stat is goals prevented above average. And it's got every goaltender in the National Hockey League on here. And Arizona's Carter Hutton is like by far the worst in the National <laughs> Hockey League. But then you have the like, Connor Hellebuck, who's one of Vesna, uh, Mark Andre Fleury are right in the same range. Philip Grubauer has an awful start uh, to his season. Like there's some big name goaltenders who are off to poor starts. Leonard's right there at the at the league average. And that yeah, that's with that tough game against LA mixed in there. Yeah, Leonard's slightly above. Um, the goaltenders that are are kind of standing out for the for the right reasons, Jack Campbell, Igor Shesterkin, um, are are really per minute making those plays that they need to make and and preventing goals that other goaltenders would give up. Uh, and as you you mentioned, Carter Hutton is uh, in very minimal time uh, one of the worst goaltenders in the league right now. I would say two-thirds of the goaltenders are above average based on this chart, just sure. doing the eye test. Would you, would you yep. go with that? 
that looks about right. Yep. That tells you how bad the numbers are for the other guys. If they're <laughs> if they're weighing it down <laughs> to make the the line uh, the the to, to create the average line, that's mm. how poor some of the the starts have been by legitimate frontline starting goaltenders. Yeah, I I mean it's it's an interesting chart for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, for me like I I look at Phil Grubauer who as you mentioned, Philip Grubauer, Connor Hallebach, Mark Andre Fleury like they're kind of hovering right around that negative 4, negative 5 goals saved uh, above average uh, line there and you know for for former Vesna trophy finalists former Vesna winners um, it just kind of gives you an idea of how volatile goaltending can be year to year and you know in the case of Philip Grubauer uh, how sometimes we see goaltenders struggle when they change teams because you're you're trying to kind of find your place um, and stopping the puck becomes difficult. I would retweet this, but I don't have uh, the go-ahead. You're not allowed to. to. Yeah. But I I wanted to share some of the information here with our listeners and uh, and with you as well. But uh, right right at the very top, yeah, Shesterkin, John Gibson, uh, Thomas Grice have Uh off to a start. You know a name to keep in mind, to keep an eye on, is Braden Holpe with the Dallas Stars. Off to a really good start with that organization. And Ben Bishop, guys, I was told he's on the road trip right now. He was uh, on the trip. They might have an an awkward situation because I kind of wrote Ben Bishop off just waiting for the announcement that he's going to shut it down. That doesn't necessarily uh, sound like it's uh, it's going to be the the case. Jeremy Swayman, his numbers uh, came down after the loss last night uh, by uh, Boston. Uh, But, yeah, Markstrom, Fleury, Hellebuck, all, and Grubauer, Kemper, all number one goaltenders and their respective teams, all below average to start. You know, the one that I'm going to highlight right here is Martin Jones. Above average. Martin he Jones. Was, he was great last ab- night. Above league average goaltending you are getting right now from Martin Jones. Like, goaltending is a voodoo, man. It is. Martin Jones. Is. Not many guys go to Philadelphia to try and find their game. <laughs> it's sort of uh, like walking into a uh, oh, haunted house to find your calm. It just doesn't work that way. And I don't know. Maybe if maybe he's just going to stare down the goalie gods, yeah, and and do it. But if there there is something to be said when the other guy's struggling, and whether it's pitching whether it's hitting, whether it's basketball, if the other guy is struggling, you have more of a leash, more confidence. Well, that guy's already struggling. How much worse can I do? And that's that's true. That's human nature. And you you may have that with, with Carter Hart and Martin Jones. They may be able to ham and egg it this year the, the same way that we watched uh, James Reimer and Peter Mrazek get the job done with the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I mean, you're you're getting about the same production right now just based on on this chart from martin jones as you are from carter hart now carter hart is slightly higher above than than where martin jones is in more minutes so that's actually a a positive trend for the philadelphia flyers 
but yeah, I mean, if you get both of those guys that are are kind of discovering things about their game and their positioning and and you know authoring a better season, then maybe they can push themselves to new heights. Like right now, Jones and Hart, where they're at in in outperforming the what a what a replacement level goaltender would be. That's positive news for Flyer fans for sure. And it's great news that uh, Robin Leonard is right there around the league average uh, through three games. Best performance of the year last night. And it uh, unfortunately came in a losing cause, but only gave up two and gave his team a real shot uh, to win. The legal minutes coming up next. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show will feature our one-timer segment, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Got some juice for you there. We'll also uh, let you in on Pete DeBoer's comments today regarding uh, where his team is at in this whole evolution of trying to find their game amid two big injuries and maybe a third one. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. It's time for the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the VGK Insider Show. It's time for the Legal Minute with our lawyers, Sam and Ash of samandashlaw.com. Sam, Ash, a tough game last night for the Golden Knights. What what were your thoughts on the game from Vegas without Max Pacioretty and without Mark Stone? Oh, it just looked a little sloppy on the defense. That's, I mean, nothing more than that from my view. I think it was the offense. Like I thought, I thought defense was was decent, right? And 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 obviously, we had we're lucky that Leonard is is really really just was amazing last night. Mm-hmm. But to win a game, you got to score points. So that's yeah. we just didn't score enough points. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. For for the Golden Knights in in this in this stretch, without your your two best offensive weapons in Patchetti and Stone. Uh, the question is going to become, how do you create the offense? How do you find those two or three goals that Pete DeBoer is talking about? But I do look at this adversity as, as a good thing for Vegas, and I think that if, if they can come through on the other side when they get those two players back, it just makes the team that much better. Yeah, I agree. I, right now, everyone just has to step up. It's part of playing team sports. Someone gets hurt, and you've got to figure out how to fill that void and and make up for it. So I, I'm confident the Knights will do it. They've got a great coach, a good organization, and great uh, players. So fingers crossed it'll work out. Who's stepping up for the Dodgers tonight? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's a sensitive <laughs> subject. I don't know. Bellinger, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what about you, Sam? I don't. I don't know. I. want to. I want to. I'm voting for the Dodger dog. I just. I want the Dodger dog. If I. I want to. I. I tell you. I am excited to see the game. I. I'm going to try to get home to watch it. Um. And. And. But I wish I was there. Yeah. I'm. I'm right there with you. So, let's get into uh, one of the one of the stories that we we got into this week and it's an interesting one and just a terribly terribly sad story but uh, it's the story of Madeline Nick Pond she is a junior uh, at Tuft University she's a lacrosse player and she died over the weekend during uh, a hot dog eating contest a competitive eating contest where she choked and died a day later Um, I mean aside from this just being a, a terribly tragic story uh, what are some of the the implications, at least legally, when when you have a competitor that that you know has a complication at one of these events? Yeah. So these these eating competitions, they're proving to actually be very very dangerous. And we you hear a hot dog eating contest or a taco eating contest, 
and you think it's easy and fun, but actually this is a common issue where people try too hard to eat a lot of food and they end up choking. Um, so I, it depends on a lot of things. You know, you assume risk when you sign up to do this. Also, you don't know, like, where was she? Was it at a frat house or was that some type of formal, like, event where that someone was putting on and she signed a waiver? But there's a lot of kind of nuance to figuring out who's truly responsible. But at the end of the day, she knew what she was getting into and ultimately decided to participate and assumed a lot of risk. Now, when you, you look at this, obviously, it, it appears that it was off campus. It, but is there any liability from the university perspective since it was off campus? Well, I see off campus to me just means it's not physically on their campus. But was it a booster club event somewhere else yeah. funded, sponsored by the university in any way, shape or form? Was it a lacrosse event just at a different facility or at a restaurant or at a I don't know, a tailgate party, who knows? And that's how you determine whether or not there was any responsibility on the university is what type of tie did they have to the actual event? And then the, the other thing that I find interesting, like it, as far as the contestants assuming risk, we all understand that, but what about medical personnel there in the event that there is an accident? If, if it can be proven that this event didn't have adequate medical attention on hand, is that something that, that can be you know utilized or, or an avenue you can explore? Yeah. Hey, Ryan, you're, you're turning into a great lawyer, and I, I love this. You know, if it, if it doesn't work over at the station, come, uh, come on over here. <laughs> Sam and Ash uh, will welcome you um, with open arms. This is going to be the issue, and if the organizers of the event are organizing a dangerous event, which this is a dangerous event, where choking is likely, yeah, they probably should have at the very least, you know, I don't know, a nurse or a some kind of a PA there who is able to administer first aid. Now, who's organizing the event? What kind of pockets do they have? Do they have insurance, right? If I get together with a few bozo friends and I'm – putting together an event, you know, somewhere in a park, uh, you know, and, and none of us really have any means to pursue, then yes, you know, the organizers can be liable, but they aren't necessarily collectible. And there's, in our world, that's something where we're always struggling to find, you know, obviously defendants who are parties responsible, who, who need to, who should be held accountable to make things right. And then finding ways to, of course, get them to pay for it, and that's sometimes a challenge. So ultimately, how do you how do you see this one ending? Do you, the, the family, do you think that they're going to take any type of legal action um, in in this matter? Well, I think a lot of it depends. You know, the story we have is pretty bare bones. We don't know enough facts mm. about who put on the event, how she ended up in the hot dog competition, if the medical staff should have actually been there but weren't. That's a lot of stuff that I, I would recommend the family looks into hiring a good lawyer so that they can pursue those avenues and see, like Sam said, if whoever put on this competition made it reasonably safe, and took all the necessary precautions to potentially avoid this scenario. And then at the end of the day, if they didn't, if they failed to make a reasonably safe competition, they have the ability to pay the family's law, the damages for the loss. But you know what? This is what is so valuable about having you guys in here every single week for the legal minute. It's advice like this that we pass out, that we give out to to people that are going through 
different scenarios. And if, if anyone out there right now has a question for Sam and Ash, it's just so easy. They care. They help. You win because you deserve what's right. It's Sam and Ash Injury Law. Again, so easy to remember. It's it's this simple. You're hurt in a crash. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234 or samandashlaw.com. Thank you, Sam and Ash. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and go Dodgers. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Go Dodgers, and seriously, go Knights. We need them to step it up. This has been the Legal Minute with Sam and Ash on the BGK Insider Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Visit them at samandash.com because you deserve what's right.